Good morning, everybody. I hope you're well, and I hope you're staying encouraged. Let's pray together as we prepare to open God's word. Lord Jesus, you said in your word that uh, David spoke by the Spirit as he was writing the Psalms. We believe, Lord God, that David uh, was carried along by the Spirit, that he spoke by the Spirit, that you inspired him, Lord, to write the psalm that we are looking at this morning, which is Psalm 47. And we pray, Lord, now for the Spirit's help as we meditate on this text together. And more than that, Lord, we pray that we would keep in step with the Spirit, uh, that we would obey this word having heard it. We pray these things in the mighty and powerful and saving name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Well, I hardly need to mention this because no doubt uh, you're already aware that our world is in a mess right now. Um, from, from the death of George Floyd, which was a uh, reprehensible tragedy, uh, that has yet again aggravated, sadly has aggravated an already uh, festering cultural wound. Uh, from that tragedy to COVID-19 and everything that has happened in the wake of this virus sweeping across the globe, uh, our world right now is hurting. I think you'd agree with me. The, the world of people is hurting uh, divided, fractured, uh, angry, sorrowful, scared. The question is, who will heal us? Who will heal us? Who will unite us? Will it be a politician? A politician who will come along and make things right? No. A thousand times no. We, we've tried that over and over and over again to no avail. Well, will it be uh, an entertainer or an author or some sort of spiritual mystic who will come along and unite uh, the, the fracture and the hurt and the division and the, the, the fear uh, that, that we have right now that will make that all, all right? Again, a thousand times no. My friends, the kind of deep, lasting, thoroughgoing healing that we need as human beings is not going to come from any mere human being. It's not going to come from within our world. Contrary to um, a lot of uh, sort of utopian fantasies that people may have. No, the level of healing, the level of reconciliation, the level of peace that we so desperately need is only going to come from the specific king who is so powerfully exalted in the psalm that we have under consideration this morning, Psalm 47. That king is Yahweh, who has revealed himself fully in Jesus Christ. He is the living God, and he is our healer. There is no other. Psalm 47. Well, off the top here, we need to see 
that there are three basic focal points in Psalm 47. First is God himself, God's kingship, God's actions. The word God appears eight times in the nine verses of Psalm 47. And the name Yahweh appears twice in the psalm. And there are also five instances of royal words, words like king and throne. Uh, These words are attached to God in the psalm. So Psalm 47 is a God-centered psalm, to be sure. Specifically, it focuses on God's kingship. Well, the second focus that we find in Psalm 47 is the focus on the nations, on all the peoples of the earth, Canada, the United States, uh, Vietnam, Ghana, Singapore, the Philippines, Barbados, etc. So terms like peoples and nations and All the earth, these terms are prevalent here in Psalm 47. There is this international sweep in this psalm, the nations. And then the third major focal point in this psalm is the focus on noise, on loud, enthusiastic praise to God that is to come from the nations. We find a conglomeration in this psalm of words like shout and sing and clap. So there is a noisiness about uh, Psalm 47. Well, in our time together this morning, uh, we want to see how all three of these major focal points converge in Psalm 47, how they uh, relate to one another. And how uh, uh, all of this, at the end of the day, uh, relates to us. And we start here by taking just a little bit of time to talk about that third focal point, uh, the idea of noisy praise. Now, when you go to a concert, what do you normally do after every song? You clap, right? You make some noise with your hands. What is clapping, though? Have you ever thought about that? What is clapping? Well, when we clap our hands together, of course, what we're doing is we are expressing appreciation, right? Uh, we, we're signaling by clapping. We're signaling to the performer on stage that, that his or her performance has brought us pleasure, that we are grateful uh, for their performance. Clapping is a common method of showing gratitude, a common method of showing approval. And in the first verse of our psalm, we have some clapping. It begins, clap your hands, all peoples. So make some appreciative noise with your hands. Signal your approval by putting your hands together with applause. Now notice here that all Peoples, plural, all nations, all who dwell on the earth are instructed here to applaud, to put their hands together in appreciation, in gratitude, in approval of something specific that we're going to see in just a minute. But, but here, just notice 
that people from every tribe, nation, and tongue, all peoples, are told here to make enthusiastic noise with their hands. And not only are the nations of the world supposed to clap, they are also supposed to get even noisier by shouting to God with loud songs of joy. So get the picture in this verse. This is to be a raucous, exuberant, boisterous sound that is directed to God that comes uh, from all the peoples of the earth. Why? What's the reason for the loud noise-making that the nations are uh, to engage in here? Well, we get the reason in verses 2 and 3, and it is a breathtaking reason. The reason that peoples across the entire earth are to get loud with clapping and get loud with singing is because Yahweh Elyon, or in English, the Lord Most High, is to be feared. A great king over all the earth. So the noise-making is to start... Because Yahweh Most High is to be feared, a great king over all the earth. Now just notice for starters that it's not the Lord who sits high is to be feared, a king over all the earth. No, it's not that. Notice that the word high and also the word king are we could say, juiced up in this verse. So, so Yahweh is not merely in a high position. He is in the most high position. So if some other king's position is high, Yahweh's position is most high. There is none higher than Yahweh. And further, Yahweh is not simply or merely a king a run-of-the-mill king. He is a great king. A great king who reigns not just over uh, a single territory or nation like other kings do, but Yahweh reigns over how much of the earth? All the earth. Here is the ruler over every square inch of the planet, and this is a ruler who is worth clapping about. Here we have a king who deserves loud singing. And he is to be feared, notice, feared, as it says in the verse. Or, I actually like the old King James Version here, which uses the word terrible uh, in the old sense of that word. Yahweh is terrible, which means, in that old English sense, that he is a God who excites awe. He is a God who excites fear. Yahweh is terrible in that Old English sense. And then we get verse 3. The psalmist is still giving us the reason why the peoples of the earth are to clap and sing. And now notice what he says. He, 
meaning Yahweh, he subdued peoples under us and nations under our feet. Now, here we have to pause and we have to tread uh, very carefully through this verse. This is truly breathtaking here. I want you to set your eyes for a moment on two words in this third verse, the word us and the word our. He subdued peoples under us and nations under our feet. Now, the 47th Psalm that we're reading is one of Israel's Psalms, right? An Israelite psalmist wrote this psalm. So when this Israelite psalmist uses these two words, us and our here, he's referring to his native country, to Israel. Yahweh subdued people under us, under Israel, peoples under us, and Yahweh subdued nations under our feet, under Israel's feet. That's the idea here. The us and the our are both references to Israel. So then wait a minute. Let's just uh, consider this here. Let, let's hit the rewind button. We'll go back to verse 1. All peoples were told in verse 1 to give a round of enthusiastic applause to Yahweh. And now in verse 3, the reason they are to do that is because this great king, Yahweh, subdued or he exercised a military defeat over those peoples. Do you see the difficulty here? Listen to Chris Wright as he explains this. He says, quote, The nations are being asked to clap for Yahweh because he is the God who defeated them through Israel. This is like asking the inhabitants of a defeated country to say thank you to the nation that invaded them. Close quote. Hey, clap enthusiastically for Yahweh who soundly defeated you. Sing loudly to Yahweh who laid you out on the mat in the first round of the fight. To use Chris Wright's words again, this almost seems perverse. And so our inquiry now is, what is going on here? Is this simply a cruel taunt uh, that victorious Israel is directing toward their defeated foes? Clap for the God who defeated you. Is it that or is it something different? Well, friends, I think that this verse is a case. I want you to listen here. I think this verse is a case where if we don't read it in connection with the wider story of Scripture, we will get into trouble. To understand what's going on here in verse 3, we have to go all the way back to Genesis and specifically to Genesis 12 verse 3, where the founding father of Israel, Abraham, he was told by God that all the families of the earth would be blessed in him, in Abraham. In other words, Abraham, that particular person, 
was to be God's vehicle through which God would bring blessing to all nations. Well, from Abraham's loins came descendants, descendants who would form the nation of Israel. Now this Abrahamic nation would be the particular vehicle through whom God would bring universal blessing to the entire earth. God chose the particular nation of Israel to be the means by which he would bring the universal, by which he would bring salvation to the entire earth, to all peoples. Israel was God's servant who was to bring God's salvation to the ends of the earth, to quote Isaiah 49, 6. Israel was God's chosen vehicle of mission that God would use to bring blessing to all nations. So that, and I want you to listen carefully here, whatever victories Israel had in specific moments of history, whatever military campaigns they won over other nations in specific moments, all of it was serving God's greater ultimate agenda, which was to bring blessing and salvation through Israel to the nations, to the people groups of the entire earth. You see this. Whenever Israel had success, even military success over an enemy nation, that was serving in the design of God to further the blessing that he had planned for the entire world. It was this great international salvation that was the reason, even for the nations defeated by Israel, it was the reason for them to clap and to sing for joy. God was doing something great and wonderful in the entire earth. Now, the specific battle, the specific battle that's being remembered in verse 3 of our psalm, or what the psalmist is reflecting on here, is the time when Yahweh, through Israel, had subdued the Canaanites during the time of the conquest. Again, when Yahweh had subdued the Canaanites during the time of the conquest. And way before that time of conquest, Yahweh had promised land. He had promised land <clears throat> to his missionary vehicle to Israel. And Yahweh came through on that promise. Israel captured the land of Canaan. So Israel is celebrating that victory here in verse 3. But again, they are calling on the peoples who had been defeated to clap and sing because whatever God had done for Israel in giving them such a military victory, this was ultimately going to work for the blessing and the salvation of the peoples that Israel had defeated. So clap and sing loud songs to Yahweh. Well, the psalm continues in verse 4. He, Yahweh our God, he chose our heritage for us, the pride of Jacob whom he loves. Now the word heritage 
refers to the land that God had chosen for Israel, which was the land of Canaan, which we've just talked about. Israel drove out the Canaanites. They took the promised land. And the psalmist says here that, that the land is the pride of Jacob, whom he loves. That land that Israel was given, this was to serve as a sort of geographical mission base, so to speak, for God's mission uh, to, the, to all the nations of the earth. Verse 5, God has gone up with a shout. Yahweh with the sound of a shofar, with the sound of a trumpet. Now the idea of going up here, notice this in the verse, the idea of going up, God has gone up. This is what Yahweh does after he has come down to fight. Um, in a place like Isaiah 31.4, we have Yahweh coming down. That verse, Isaiah 31.4, has Yahweh coming down to fight on Mount Zion. After he comes down to wage war on behalf of his people, Yahweh goes up to his throne on high. And in this verse in our psalm, victorious Yahweh goes up victoriously with a shout after he wages war against the Canaanites and secures the land for Israel. He goes up with a shout and he goes up, as it says, with the sound of a shofar, with a trumpet. So there's more noise here in our psalm, shouting and a trumpet because of the victory that Yahweh has secured. Verse 6, now do you feel like singing this morning? I hope that you do. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises. That'll do us a whole lot of good right now if we sing praises to our King. But you almost get the feeling in this verse that the psalmist might want us to sing praises. <laughs> he repeats the, the, the phrase four times in this single verse. Sing praises. It's good for the soul, good for the heart, and it glorifies God. Verse 7. For God is the king of how much of the earth? All of the earth. Sing praises with a psalm. And actually, in the original Hebrew, the word translated psalm here is a word that has to do with understanding. I think the King James Version captured this well when it says this. Sing ye praises with understanding. Sing ye praises with understanding. This has to do with thoughtful praise to God as opposed to mindless praise to God. Sing praises with understanding. Verse 8, God reigns over the nations. Notice the kingly language. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. Coronavirus and wicked police brutality and injustice and riots and an economy that is beaten up right now and unknowns about your own financial future. God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. It's as true today as it was on the day when the psalmist wrote it. 
Friends, the world can be reeling. The world can be fraying apart. But guess what? God reigns over the nations. God sits on his holy throne. God's rulership yet continues his sovereign plan. We can have the assurance his sovereign plan is being fulfilled to the letter even in the midst of our many human problems. This is a king in this psalm who is worthy of our most exuberant, raucous clapping and singing. And then we come to the final verse of Psalm 47, verse 9 of Psalm 47, where we have um, another remarkable statement. Um, a few minutes ago, we were talking about Genesis 12, 3, where God promised, remember, that all the families of the earth would be blessed by Abraham and Abraham's descendants, blessed by the nation of Israel. Now in Psalm 47, 9, we get the name Abraham. And interestingly enough, this is one of only four uses of the name Abraham in the entire book of Psalms. The other three uses of his name are all found in Psalm 105. So here in Psalm 47.9 is, is one of only four uses of the name Abraham in the Psalms. Now let's put the verse up. Notice what the verse says. The princes of the peoples. Notice that. The princes of the peoples. So in other words, the individual leaders princes, individual leaders of each nation on earth, the princes of the peoples, they gather as the people, as the one people, as the singular people of the God of Abraham. Note carefully here, that the psalmist identifies these diverse Gentile leaders of the nations, leaders of the peoples who are outside of Israel. He identifies those Gentile leaders with Israel. He lumps them together with Israel. The psalmist envisions, or he prophesies, the gathering together of the diverse nations with Israel, all peoples under Israel's God, Yahweh. The princes of the peoples gather as the people of God of Abraham for the shields of the earth or the protectors of the nations, the leaders of the nations. They belong to God. He is highly exalted. Well, as we've taken a few minutes now to trek through uh, Psalm 47, I hope you've seen the prevalence of those three focal points that we talked about at the beginning, God, the nations, and noisy praise, and how all three of them unfold in the psalm and sort of intertwine. Now, last Sunday, uh, the question at the end of Psalm 24, if you remember, the question was, who is this king of glory? 
And we said that the king in that psalm, in Psalm 24, the king is Jesus. Well, it's the same this week in Psalm 47. As we went through this, did you catch all the royal terms that are sort of strewn uh, throughout uh, the psalm? In verse 2, we have the words, great king, in reference to God. In verse 6, again, we have the word king in reference to God. And it happens again in verse 7. For a third time, we have the word king. And then in verse 8, we have the words, God reigns, which is more royal terminology. And we also have, God sits on his holy throne, yet another royal description. When Jesus, descendant of David and descendant of Abraham, in whom all the fullness of God is pleased to dwell, when Jesus, in whom the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, when he began his ministry on this broken earth, he announced that the kingdom, the kingdom of God was at hand. The kingdom. And when Jesus proceeded to exercise his kingship on the earth, he did that for some years as his ministry proceeded, teaching with kingly authority, exercising what I would call a fearsome benevolence, a fearsome benevolence, justice, exercising justice, exercising love and power until he was nailed to a cross where as king he accomplished the mighty exodus and conquest that the original exodus and conquest only pointed to. And then after three days, the crucified king was raised in power and then he declared, didn't he, that all authority, all authority in heaven and on earth had been given to him. Clap your hands, O peoples, a round of hearty, loud applause for the king who has died for the sin of the world and who has risen in power and authority. Jesus is the great king over all the earth that Psalm 47 verse 2 is talking about. He is the ruler of kings on the earth, as it says in Revelation chapter 1 verse 5. Jesus is the king of kings. He is the one at whose name every knee must bow and every tongue confess that he is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He is the one whose blood has ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people and nation. Friends, on this Sunday, we see the world upside down. We see tears and horrors and injustices and sickness and mistrust and fear. Where are we to go? 
Well, I'll tell you where we don't go. We don't spend hours on social media posting and reading. We don't sit in front of CNN or Fox News for hours and get more and more depressed. We go to Jesus. We go to the Lamb in the midst of the throne. Revelation 7.17 We make a proactive, concentrated effort to fall on our faces before this King who died a cruel, bloody, torturous, violent death to take away the sin of the world. We go to this king who presides right now over all the earth. We go to Jesus who shows forth his justice every morning. He is the king of Psalm 47 verse 3. He is the one who has subdued and has defeated sin, death, and the devil for his people. He is the king of Psalm 47, verse 5, who has gone up with a shout, who has ascended to the cosmic throne room after doing what? After warring successfully against everything that threatened his people. We run with our tears to Jesus, our king, who beckons us even today to come to him and find the rest that we so desperately need. We run to him just like small children run crying to their mother after they've scraped their hands on the pavement. We run with our tears to him. We run to the king in his beauty. We run to Jesus. Have you run to Jesus Today, Have you run to Jesus last night, this week? I implore you, go to your king. Well, the only fitting thing that we can do now as this sermon ends is to sing praises to God. Sing praises. Sing praises to our king. Sing praises. And that's what we'll do right now. Amen.